Hello, welcome to The Bottom Line. If you had tuned into the earlier program, uh, you would have known that uh, Dr. Greg uh, Reed is with us and we have been talking about, at least in the previous program, Christian occultism, a very interesting subject. Let me read some scripture before we pick up where we left off in the previous program. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says this, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. In the previous program, we ended talking about a subject called angelology. You may have heard of it, you may not. I certainly hadn't heard of it until Dr. Reed had brought it to our attention on the program. So we're going to pick up from there. So can you explain a bit more, Greg, about angelology? Well, it's kind of an, an older, it's an ancient, not ancient ancient, but angelology has been a study and practice in several different uh, areas, but particularly in mysticism and occultism of defining angels and who the angels are. Um, my former church, which has some of the best people I've ever met in my life, we had uh, we would have our youth um, rummage sale every year, and I always just held my breath to see what people were giving away. And somebody gave a Ouija board away one year. Okay. I had one of my kids was kind of like my spotter, and uh, he would. And one day he says, "You need to see this." Somebody had donated a book that was this big, and it was on angels. Except you got halfway through, and then it had the whole rest of it was about dark angels, fallen angels, and it had rituals and spells and everything else. And I'm like, how does somebody go to a Christian church and have this and not know that this is a major problem? Um, you know, the angels are real, as we know. Angels are in the Bible, but they're not, you know, cute, fat little babies with wings. You know, they're not Hallmark cards. Yes. There's a reason every time they showed up, people were on their faces crying out for mercy yes. because they are, they're warriors. They are holy. And we're not, Paul talked about those that tended towards angel worship. And we have to be careful that we don't, we look at the scriptures. Yes, we acknowledge them. I've had a couple of encounters that I believe were with angels, but it was not, never seek to talk to an angel um, there was a book, again, back in the 80s. I think we gave birth to a lot of good stuff and a lot of horrible yes, stuff all at the same yes. time. And there was a pastor who wrote a book about an angel that would come to his house and eat sandwiches and pet <laughs> his dog. And I'm reading this even back then and saying, that, that, well, no, no, I don't know where this is coming from. But, but people are very drawn, again, to the supernatural element. And there's a thing that they call orbs that's a big thing. In yes, some of the, yes. And these are not angels. And people need to be very careful. Orbs are a big part of the New Age movement and right. have been long before the Science and Wonders movement. So, you know, we need to be very careful that we understand. As biblically, we are given um, uh, understanding that there were four angels. Yeah, mean, yeah. Uh, Michael, Gabriel, Lucifer, I'll think of the other one. But that's really all yes. we need to know. Yes. Now, there's a body of you know, Jewish literature that, that adds to that. But we have no reason to know whether that's actually biblical because it was not in the Torah. It was right. not in the, the Talmud. It was just something that was added to. 
and it's the added two that we yeah. need to be careful of. Yes, yeah. And, and Scripture says that, that they are ministering spirits sent forth to minister. Yes. And as you say, they're not there to come and eat sandwiches and pet dogs and, yeah. you know, be friends in that sense, right. are they? Right, I, like you, have had minimal encounters, but I have had some recognizable encounters with angels. They didn't come with wings. In one situation, I was in South Africa, and we had, my friend and I had been ministering in a uh, drug rehabilitation center. And uh, as we were leaving, it was about midnight we, that we walked out. Uh, and we were in a place called Hillbrow. And it was a long, straight road. So all the shops were closed. Every, there was just no activity at all. So we're walking back to our car. And uh, we were sharing what had happened in the drug rehabilitation center. And we both felt that we should turn round at the same time. This We compared notes afterwards. We turned round. Two men were about to jump on us and accost us. Were they going to kill us? I don't know. They were certainly going to assault us and probably rob us. Now, bear in mind, as we were walking along the road, we saw nobody. They went like this. And they weren't looking at us because they're as close as, as we are. They were looking over our shoulder. They walked around or ran around us, actually, and ran off. We turned around quickly in case they were going to assault us again. And I would say as close as that camera is to us was a police officer. Mm. I would say also about a minute and a half to two minutes, these guys had run down the road. They were out of sight. That police officer turned around and looked at us and smiled and vaporized before our eyes. Wow, yeah. April 1986, yeah. I remember it like it was yesterday. Well, and that's, that's the whole thing. Is this, When we talk about these things, there's always a counterfeit. There's always a real. Um, I, four years ago, I had something a little bit different, but I was, I'm in a two-story uh, duplex, and I was coming downstairs with a big, heavy glass tray that uh, I had been doing some artwork on, and I got down to the fourth step, and I heard a loud snap, and it was the, uh, a bone in my left foot. Ooh. And I went lunging forward all the way down the stairs and ended up on the carpet. And from there, it was a process of trying to get to a doctor, you know, uh, finding out something's broken, getting a cast. And it was several hours before I got back to my house, and I hadn't even thought about it, but... When I got back to the house, I noticed that that glass tray was as far, as you say, from here to maybe 15, 20 feet away, placed on the floor. Placed on the floor, yeah. Not damaged. My goodness. And I could glass, not have thrown right? it. It was glass. glass. If I would have fallen this way, I wouldn't have been here. Right. I would have bled out, literally. Yeah, yeah. So there's no question in my mind wow. that, that, was, that that was real. But, you know, short story, a friend of mine which her name is Johanna Michelson. She's, she wrote a book called The Beautiful Side of Evil back in the uh, 80s. It's still one of the best books on, on the occult and New Age issues that I, I know that's out there. Mm. And she actually had, I believe, gone to Moody Bible School mm. and then got into the New Age after she got out. And she traveled with a psychic healer in Mexico for quite a bit of time. And she had been totally convinced that all this stuff was compatible with Christianity, and they told her that she needed to have a spirit guide 
to talk to her. And she says, well, Jesus has been my best friend. He's my savior. So I'm going to make Jesus my spirit guide. So they teach you how to create a house, a temple, so to speak, with your imagination to invite this spirit guide. And she did. And Jesus would always show up and talk to her. Now, this should frighten anybody and thinks that we're not susceptible to this stuff. And she did this for quite a while. And then I believe it was her brother-in-law, it was somebody, took her to Labrie in Switzerland on a retreat. And they sat down with her and said, Johanna, we love you, but this is possible that you've been deceived. And they read the scriptures to her. She got very angry and said, well, I'll pray about it. So she went out to meditate that night and it was getting towards dark. And she said it was like something clubbed her in the back of the head and she went sprawling on the pavement. And she was terrified. She went back to her cabin, created her spirit house, and Jesus appeared. And she said, are you Jesus Christ, son of God in the Bible that died for my sins? And the thing just disappeared. Wow. And she knew immediately that she had been deceived. And so this is where Paul says, if I or an angel or anyone else preach to you any other gospel than what you've heard, let him be accursed. And Paul said very clearly that don't be, don't, don't be surprised that Satan can come as an angel of light mm. and his servants as ministers of righteousness. If I see an angel, I'm not going to automatically accept that it's from God. Right. I you, think that's a dangerous thing to do. Yeah. You, you, you might ask that apparition of whatever it is, you might ask it some questions yes. <laughs> to qualify. I want credentials. Who, you want credentials. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Anybody could turn up otherwise. Absolutely. But, but, you know, there's, there's, there is a, I think there is a rising interest. Uh, I, I'm going back from years ago now. Um, mysticism has always been there. I remember when the Beatles went and, and, and they got involved with the, the Guru Maharishi in, in India and so on. So there's always been that sort of um, interest, if you like. But it's growing, isn't it? It's, yes. The, 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 there's a growing interest in mysticism, demonology, or anything other than God. Yes. It seems. Well, and the media is so saturated with it on every level yeah. that, and, and you know, now they've got programs on Lucifer and, yes. you know, trying to make him out as a good guy. And yeah. uh, there's just so much. But here, this is going to blow your mind. You may or may not be aware of this. There's a growing movement on Facebook of Christian witches. I did not know that. No, I don't yeah. go on Facebook much, but I certainly didn't know well, that. You're not missing much, but <laughs> what you do miss, you probably want to not know Christian about it. Christian witches. witches. There's Christian witchcraft and Christian witches, and we've known because of our work trying to uncover this stuff for years that they were hidden. But they're coming out of the closet now and saying Christianity is compatible with witchcraft. We're proud of our craft. We're proud that we love Jesus, and we, uh, we're Wiccans. We're, we're witches. And this is a growing movement out there. And uh, I don't think Christians are really prepared to deal with stuff like that. No, I don't think they are. And, and it actually... There's a kind of a contradiction going on in a sense because I do know that Facebook has kicked a lot of Christians off when, they, when they've maybe quoted scripture or told stories or whatever it happens to be. But that's not probably happening with these Christian witches. It's it? not. They're, they're, very, they're growing and they've got a lot of membership. And, you know, it's, it, a lot of this comes back to we have to get a kind of discernment that's very sharp and we need to be able to confront things when we see them. And I won't go into a lot of details about this, but there was a book that was required reading, really, when I was in the New Age movement, and it was called God Calling. 
and God Calling was a couple of ladies from London who wanted to trans-channel the voice of God into a book of messages from God. Ooh. It was must-reading when we're in the New Age. And it was totally New Age. I mean, it, hadn't, it was not the God of the Bible. No. And then to find out in the last 10 years that a, a certain author will remain unnamed, a certain book that will remain unnamed, but everybody will know it, it's the largest, biggest-selling devotional book of probably the last 50 years in the Christian church. That sounds scary. Of a lady who's channeling Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Into a devotional book. I don't know hardly any Christians that have not read this book or don't have it on their shelf, and they get very upset when I bring this up. But I, I, I tell them, look at the introduction. This lady gives credit to these two ladies from Great Britain as her inspiration for doing this book. I say, well, okay, it's, and then let's look at what does it say? Because anything that contradicts the Word of God is not the Word of God. Right, right. So in one part of the book it says, Jesus says, remember the last words that I spoke to you, that I will never leave you or forsake you. I say, what's wrong with that statement? Well, nothing. I said, yeah, there is something. That wasn't the last words Jesus spoke mm -hmm. to his disciples. Therefore, what does that make the Jesus of this book? A liar. And you need to get rid of it. Wow. And people either, Christians do one or two things when a, I'm kind of the Grinch that steals everything. <laughs> <laughs> they do one to two things when I bring this up. One is, wow, you can see the scales drop off yeah. of their eyes. And they say, yeah. I had no idea. They say, I don't want to hear about it. I love the book. You know, this happened, and I don't mind talking about this because I think it's pretty widely known. This book came out several years ago called The Shack. Yes. And it was yes. a fiction book. Is that the one they made the movie of? Yes. Yeah, okay. And it was so absolutely unbiblical in a hundred ways. Really interesting. Yeah, it had, a, you know, Jesus was a woman, uh, uh, or God was a woman. Yes. Jesus yes. was a clumsy Jewish kid with a hooked nose, which coming from a Jewish background, that was a little bit offensive to me. <laughs> we don't all have hooked noses. Come on, folks. <laughs> and then uh, the Holy Spirit was a Japanese girl whose name was Sarayu. Right. And Sarayu is the name of a, a Hindu river in India. Ah. But there's a fourth part of the Trinity named Sophia. And Sophia is judging this guy. Right. And that ends up him talking to his d deceased father, who was an alcoholic minister, yeah. and leading him to Christ. That's necromancy. Yeah. I don't care if it's fiction or not. And the fact that Christians could not see through that and understand that and go through the nuances of what God and Jesus were actually saying and judge it to be what it was is a, a false Christ book. And I, I lost friends who were pastors who said, I don't really care what you think or what you say because this book changed my relationship with Papa. With That's where the word a lot of Christians praying Papa came from that. And that's fine. God's my dad. He's my Papa. But it, it just, to see people, the darkness come on and they say, yeah. I don't care about what you say or the Bible says. I had an experience with God. And for many Christians, experience trumps truth. And yes. that's a problem. Yes, yes. Be yes, because experience could be related to deception yeah. quite easily. But that's, that's a very interesting breakdown of that book and that movie. Because it, it actually was a very popular movie, certainly in the Christian circles. Because suddenly on the screen, there's a portrayal of God. 
you know, whether he be male or female. In, 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 there's a portrayal of God, there's a portrayal of Jesus, there's a portrayal of the Holy Spirit. So people are thinking, wow, this is good. But now, looking at that detail where the alcoholic guy is now praying for his father and all that, that's very interesting. And as they say, it's kind of, I don't know how this fits into the, but the devil's in the details. Yes. And it's, <laughs> and it's so those true. little things, you know, that you see. And then my feeling on this is let's, we can deal with it or we can see what the fruit of it is. And it turned out that the author is very, he, he has a little different ways of nuances, but he's basically a universalist. Right. You know, that yeah. all paths lead to go. We're all going to get there. In the end. And so, he, was, yeah. he was preceded by um, a man that was very popular with youth culture, Rob Bell, who wrote a book called Velvet Elvis that just captured the imagination of an entire generation of youth pastors. I've seen that title, never read the book. I hadn't either. Some of my youth pastor friends said, you've got to see this. This is revolutionary. It's, it's a game changer. Uh, I didn't read it. I saw one of his videos first, which was kind of a very subtle way of saying you don't have to evangelize. All you got to do is love people, and it speaks for itself. Or I, I won't go into all the details, but I saw that, and I said, anytime that little Holy Spirit red light comes on, I'm listening. So I thought, well, I need to read the book. And it took me five days to get through the book, and I wrote tons of notes, and I realized this guy had completely deconstructed faith in the Word of God without the reader knowing that that's what he had done. And you come out the other side of the book not having confidence in the Bible as the Word of God. And I thought, okay, nobody, I lost a lot of friends over that too. A very short dance card after <laughs> all these things. <laughs> so I went through that whole process and then waited, and then he came out with another book called The Sex God, which was really weird, and then he finally came out with the ultimate book that, that showed the fruit. It was called Love Wins, where he's basically saying, everybody's going to get there. He's a universalist. Next thing you know, he's traveling on the road with Deepak Chopra. Yes. He's one of the leaders in the New Age movement in a conference called Seduction of Spirits. I'm like, how obvious can that be? Yeah. Scriptures talk about seducing spirits. Yes. So... And, and how, if they're involved in the seduction of spirits, how do they describe the seduction of spirits? I would have loved to have been on That would have been quite interesting. Yes, it would have been. My goodness me. Yeah. I, what is it, Greg, do you feel that causes Christians to be willing to accept some of these differences, these, these things that are very edgy, you know, that are so close to the truth? What is it that you think takes them there? I think it's a combination of two things. One is that we have not learned how to discern. But the other thing, and I've, I saw that, I've kind of found this the hard way. There is a hunger in all of us to have a relationship with the living God. And, and I see a lot of Christians who are just, they're not having that need met wherever they're at. Uh, God is not being talked about as a real person that you can have a relationship you can talk to jesus he will speak to you through his word you know i believe this is a whole thing i've got my one foot in one area and one foot in the other i'm very strong about discerning these things but also i believe with all of my heart and the gifts of the holy spirit i believe in yes. miracles yes uh which is why this is so important to yes. me because i want the real thing yeah. but people are hungry and i did a, a church class a couple of states away a few years ago small church church not really supported by their their the the major assembly but there they were mainly older people and i went in and i just they wanted me to teach on spiritual warfare so i taught on the the big three or four deceptions that were out there 
and they got real quiet the first thing I mentioned. And then the second thing, they kind of heard a little laughter in the audience. And like by the fourth thing, they're laughing. They're just, I just showed the slide of this particular movement and they started laughing. I said, do I need to get out of town here? Because <laughs> y'all are scaring me. And the pastor's wife, I'll never forget this as long as I live. She had been laughing, but she said, we've taught our people all of this in the last two years. Now what are we supposed to do? Oh my goodness. And I realized these are good people. Yeah. These are people that are hungry for God. Yeah. yeah. But the devil has a whole banquet of junk, poisoned junk food yeah. to try and fill that need. Good and so gracious. it's that, I think. There's a genuine hunger for God. And God has really, over the years, really softened my heart and said, you just can't go out and slice and dice here. I know you like to, son, but <laughs> calm down. These are these are tender hearts. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah. and and they're not easily brought to the light on these things. And I never. This is what I really felt like I heard from God: is don't hurt their heart towards me. So there's there's there, there's a there's an issue of indoctrination in, in a sense that that these folks are so close to the truth, uh, and as you say, she'd been teaching it for years. Uh, etc. So there's an issue of indoctrination. Is what you do to de-indoctrinate? Is, is that part of what you do yes, with, absolutely. in these situations? Yeah, and I've made a commitment that if I'm going to go into church and teach what's wrong, I have to give them the basis of what's right and how to be deception-proof. Right. And how to go after the right thing. Uh, I mean, years ago, the banks in New York, when they had a new teller, they would just sit him in a room for weeks, counting money, counting money, counting money. And then after three or four weeks, maybe a month, they'll slip a counterfeit in. And bam, they pick it up right away mm. because they've handled the real thing so mm. much that they recognize the counterfeit. Yes. So part, a lot of what's important to me is to get believers, handle the Word of God, read it, uh, eat it, ingest it, uh, meditate on it, process it, put it in your heart, and the deception you'll, you'll become largely deception-proof as a result. So, so why aren't churches, do you think, and pastors more engaged in teaching their people the, the counterfeit argument and, and, and the deceptions that are out there rather than just maybe pushing the prosperity gospel or something like that. Do you know what I mean? There's an emphasis on, on you do this and you'll get blessed. You know, sow this amount of money, you'll get blessed and all that kind of stuff. There's all of that going on, but not actually talking about the deception and the counterfeit argument issues that are out there. Well, I think uh, some pastors would find that they would lose a number of people. Okay. And so possibly some big tithers. We certainly right. had that experience. You know, yeah. my pastor stepped on the toes of somebody who was very committed to Harry Potter and you know, that that guy was gone within a week. Oh, my goodness. And so, you uh, yeah. know, there's a risk. There's, I mean, it's, it's reality, financial yeah. risk, um, losing people in the congregation, risking those people are going to go and drag a bunch of other people out. Um, I mean, that's real. I mean, if you've been a pastor, you understand that yes. that's a reality. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so right. there's, there's that to contend with when you make those decisions. But the risk of not doing that is greater because the devil hides in darkness and he can lurk and... I mean, I had a just a, a very disturbing experience where I was talking to a lady uh, that was a mother of one of the young people I was discipling, and she said, "I need to talk to you." And I said, "What's what's going on?" Because she read my book, which is my testimony, 
And one of the things, one of my mentors, so to speak, in literature was Edgar Cayce, who was one of the top occultists in the world. And she said, what's wrong with Edgar Cayce? I said, he's an occultist. And she said, but he taught the scriptures. I said, he was an occultist. But he healed people. I said, but he was an occultist. And I watched the change. Her face turned white. And she said, oh my gosh, I've been deceived. And I found out that an elder at her church, his wife, had a meeting that she had started, a deeper life club with some of the special women, and just kind of build it into a personal Bible study, just as very private. And then she started talking about Edgar Casey. And then she started to say that she had been married to the uh, angel Melchizedek, high priest Melchizedek on Mars or something a thousand years, a million years. Whoa. I mean, just went in that direction. That's wow. not what bothered me as much as I knew that this lady had laid hands on and prayed for nearly every pastor in this town at some time. Really? And that's the danger when we don't teach truth because if you don't teach it, then it has a tendency to hide like that and not get discovered. When the light gets turned on of the truth of the Word of God, these things are going to come out. And, and we know uh, from, from being in ministry that when you lay hands on somebody in whatever prayer you pray of them, you are actually imparting something. Yes. There is an impartation that takes place. Absolutely. And so somebody like that laying hands on pastors could destroy their ministry. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that's, that's something that we learned early on too, is having people, I think it was Alice Bailey who was the spiritual inheritor of what's called the Theosophist movement, started by Madame Blavatsky, who was as darkly into Luciferianism as you can imagine. Mm. Alice Bailey wrote a whole treatise saying, this is way back in the early 1900s, that the church had to be part of what they used to bring into the one world order and that they already had their agents in place in the churches that just needed to be activated at the right time. Well, if that was true in the 1900s, then it's certainly true today. And, uh, you know, I'm not one of those people because I've seen churches where it's like, that person's a witch, that person's a... You don't want to do that. Right, right, right. But make no mistake, the more powerful and, and on fire a church is, the more anxious people are from the other side to get people in place to tear that church down and make sure they're not affected. Yes, yeah. Greg, we, we, we've got, I think, probably a little over a minute left or about a minute left. Can we explore this even further in the next program? Absolutely. Um, I'd like to, and you, I think, know so much more about this. I'd like to explore a little bit about how deep occultism goes. How far has it gone in government and officialdom and, and all this kind of thing? Um, we know it's a growing problem. We know it's, it's something that is, you know, the enemy of our souls is losing time. He hasn't got much time left. So he's, he's throwing everything out there. Would you mind that we, if we explore that in the next program? Absolutely, let's do that. Okay, we're going to do that. We, we're just on our countdown time now. And I want to just invite you to contact us if you are having any problems in this area. Don't forget what this stands for. This stands for time running out because Jesus is coming back soon. Thank you. Thank you.